Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Gravity as the curvature of space. This is so good. If the photon follows the curvature of space. Amazing. It knows no other job in this world but to do that. That's awesome. But in addition, so cool. the original 1919 eclipse expedition by Sir Arthur Eddington to test Einstein's general relativity that light would bend near a gravity source. So you wait for a total solar eclipse because now you can see stars right up to the edge of the sun, and you can see, is their position the same as when the sun isn't there? And then you can see that the, the light bent. Here's something nobody talks about. The light would have bent even without Einstein's theories, but it would only bent half as much. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. And this one is Grab Bag. Chuck, I think that's your favorite one, Grab Bag. Is that right? Yeah, I kind of dig the Grab Bag, you know, just because. Because you reach in and whatever it's a comes pot out. Luck. It's a, <laughs> whatever pot luck is never a bad thing. No. Right? It's just a different thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? Pot luck is great because you don't know what you're getting. You get there and there's a bunch of good stuff normally. And, and usually it's people's best stuff, right? They don't right. bring their worst stuff. Exactly. So. Nobody brings their, you know, crap dish to pot yeah, luck. Their, their B-list their dish. Yeah. Right. And right, you say, like, right. what are you bringing to the pot luck? And they're like, my string bean casserole. It's like, no, you got to go. You can't, <laughs> you can't be I like here. string beans. Yeah. I like string beans. I like beans. string beans too, but you can't be bringing the recipe off the Campbell's soup to the pot luck. Oh, 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 oh. You know right, what I mean? Right. You got to, you, you know, now if you if you have an original recipe for a string bean casserole, that's a different story. Oh, that one was from the mushroom 
uh, cream of mushroom the soup. The cream of mushroom soup, yeah. You dumped that in. That right. made everything. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Right. <laughs> you can make anything with cream of mushroom soup. Campbell's. Exactly. It had enough salt to, to serve an army. Yeah. It, could, it was thick enough to move. But anyhow, wait. So you got a whole set of questions. I haven't seen them or heard them. So That's let's right. bring them on. All right. Well, we can jump mm -hmm. right into this. I love this first question. This is from Amanda. And Amanda uh, clearly uh, believes that everybody knows who she is because that is all there is. Um, <laughs> just Amanda. It just says Amanda. And that's okay. like, if you don't know, then you, you blew it, bro. If you don't know, you blew it, bro. Everybody, uh, who, everybody who needs to know knows, knows Amanda. Amanda. So mm -hmm. um, um, Amanda says, you get a lot of questions about a lot of things. What is the question you wish people would ask you, but they normally do not? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. I see. I don't, I don't, I don't wish people to ask questions. I, that's not how I think about life. I see myself as a servant of people's curiosity mm. that gurgles up natively within them. Gotcha. Not as people who will serve my needs or my wants by asking me questions that I wish they would. However, that's a whole, I think that's a whole what other... she's saying, though, is what is the question that would excite you that people may not know to ask? You helping so out So their curiosity. You helping her out in that question. I am helping her out you, because, okay. you know, <laughs> I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, and so I'm just reframing Amanda's question in, in such right, a I way. I got one. Uh, here's one. Here's one that no one has asked, and I don't know why. Okay. Uh, I spent a whole chapter on it in my book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Uh-huh. Uh, the title of the chapter is On Earth as It Is in Heaven. Ooh. And the question Ooh. is, how do we know that the laws of physics we discover here on Earth apply elsewhere in the universe. Is that an assumption? Is it a, a article of faith? Is it, and if, we, if they apply across the universe, how do we know they also apply throughout time? Mm. Because as we look out in the universe, we're looking back in time. And so no one asks that. And so I, get, I guess I get to put that one in. That's, that's awesome. And if you want to know the answer to that, people, all you got to do is go buy Neil's book. <laughs> buy the book. That's all you got to do. Go buy, go buy the book. You get the answer. <laughs> Next question. Next no. question. <laughs> no, no. So, by the way, these are all asked by Patreon members, correct? I think and you, you have access to this currently with our new tier system. At the entry-level Patreon, yes, you get it's $5 a month, I think. Yep. Um, Anybody who joins Patreon, if you join Patreon and support Star Talk Radio at Patreon slash, patreon.com slash Star Talk Radio, then you automatically yeah, and, get to ask us questions. And last I checked, isn't like an entry-level cup of coffee at Starbucks $5? <laughs> That's actually cheap. That's just a regular cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, once you, it's once like... you add the plutonium to it, it costs a lot more. You know, that's that's what they're doing. There's so many. I I I only get coffee. I the other yeah, stuff yeah. is just too deep for me at Starbucks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, it's all sugar. No, only, I mean, unless you say no sugar, or you say you no. Know. I'm saying though, it's like a 
caramel macchiato, half calf, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. know, I, I can't like it's all like it. It's a dessert. Then they they like deliver a dessert to you. Yeah, yeah. Half of them are the the frappuccino. Yes. Right. 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 Okay. Right. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't. You know. I mean. All right. Well, if you get one of those every day, you can surely become a member by paying that once a per month. Per month. Right. right. Yeah. That's only month. one day. Go. Skip. Skip the banana frap for one day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Skip the banana frap with double the whipped cream for one day and you support us for the entire month. There you go. All right. So my answer for Amanda is very simple, actually. Um, we Initially, we didn't know. And here's an interesting little historical note. Isaac Newton comes up with his laws of gravity. And, and he's rocking the house with these. He can explain Earth's, uh, the moon's orbit around the Earth, yeah. Earth's motion around the moon. Yeah. He explains Jupiter's satellites in orbit around Jupiter. Right. Which was the first time we calculated something orbiting something else other than either ourselves or the sun. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is badass uni universal law of gravitation. And then uh, Herschel, William Herschel, discovers planet Uranus mm -hmm. with his telescope. This is a planet orbiting just beyond Saturn, okay? So it's a modern planet. It was not known to the ancients, even though it's named with a, with a Roman god. And so Uranus, uh, right, was Greek, and then it was very close to that in Roman, any, in, in Latin. Anyhow, that planet, it has, it's orbiting the sun, but they kept tracking it, and it was not matching Newton's laws. It was deviating. Right. And people said, okay, we found the limit to Newton's laws. It only goes out to Saturn. Beyond Saturn, we got to make other laws to apply to the rest of the universe. And somebody else said, nah, Newton was too badass for that. Right. Let's, let's assume his laws are correct. And then wonder what could be perturbing Uranus's orbit. Mm. In the way that we see. And so some brilliant mathematicians got together, uh, a French mathematician primarily, Le Verrier, and he calculated with Newton's laws, and you have to invert the equation mathematically, which is not easy to do. Instead of having an equation saying, here's an object, what's the field of gravity at this distance? You have to ask a different question. Where would an object have to be, and at what distance, to influence this object in this way. That's a whole other way to use that law of physics and the arithmetic and the, and the calculus. So he does that, predicts that if Newton's laws are accurate, and we didn't come to the end of Newton's laws, if it, they're accurate, this should be a planet right over here. Take a look. Take a look. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they put the that night, that night, uh, there was a telescope in Germany. I forgot the guy's name who was tasked to, who tasked himself to this. We'll call uh, him okay. Wilhelm for the hell. <laughs> Wilhelm, whatever. Ludwig Wilhelm. Ludwig, <laughs> right? Gunther. We'll just call him Gunther. <laughs> that's Chuck. That's racist. I'm it pretty is. sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is too. <laughs> but let me tell you something. If there's one people that cannot complain about racism, <laughs> it is the Germans. Okay. Awesome. I'm like, Chuck, really, bro? We want to go down that road? Do you really? Clearly, uh, 
It's clear Chuck is still in his race therapy classes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. W w it's, all right. So, so this, which, German, which this German uh, uh, astronomer. It'll come, to, it'll come to me in a minute. Okay. So, he, so that, that night, he said, I'll look here in this little box that Leverrier is telling me to look. And sure enough, planet Neptune is discovered. Look at that. Where it should have been and at the distance it needed to be to perturb the orbit of Uranus. And so Newton's laws Still were works. intact. Correct. Then, sometime later, we found binary stars orbiting each other mm -hmm. far outside of the solar system. They're following Newton's laws of gravity. Then we find galaxies in orbit. We find, uh, and we take this out to the edge of the universe. Wow. Okay. Now, it turns out there's a limit to Newton's laws. We find out they do fail in the regime of extremely high gravity. And so you need Einstein's laws to describe where Newton's laws fail. So it's not a, a matter of place and time. It's a matter of severity of how much mass and energy have you compacted into a small volume. So you can't use Newton's laws to describe black holes, for example. Right. But you can use it to describe practically everything else in the universe. So they're highly useful. We got to the moon on Newton's laws in 1968 and 69. So, so, and, and we can look at spectra. You can take carbon or nitrogen or oxygen and, and, um, and you burn it and it can send off features in a spectrum, mm -hmm. okay? Which is the fingerprint of each element. And each element has a unique fingerprint on the periodic table. Right. Some are complex, some are simple. Some are fascinatingly ordered, but each element is unique. Now we look out in the universe. Oh my gosh, halfway across the universe, carbon showing up exactly as it would have on Earth. Oh, but wait a minute, the universe is expanding. So there's a shift in the wavelength of light. Oh, by how much? Well, by this much. So let's shift in the spectrum here on Earth. There's the carbon fingerprint. That, oh, wow, look at that. Right, in exactly the configuration it needs to be, but the whole pattern was shifted according to how fast the thing is expanding away from us. And we could take that to the edge of the freaking universe, which takes us not only across space, but through the depths of time itself. And the spacing of those features is very sensitive to quantum physics and the speed of light. Mm -hmm. And so that also tells us that the not only do the basic laws that we know of apply, but also other things like the speed of light, uh, the quantum, other things that, that are tied up with other measurements that enable those measurements to even exist at all, those work out too. Hence, they call the universal laws of physics. Look at that. And that's what gives you that obnoxious thing, which is kind of true. There's the laws of physics, and everything after that is opinion. <laughs> wow, look at that. <laughs> that's completely obnoxious, nah, but it's kind of... I don't think it's, it's obnoxious when it works. But it's, well, it's kind of mostly true. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you're not obnoxious. But it's 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 a little Jordan esque. As, yeah, yeah. You know, like Michael Jordan was like, you know, you ask him who's the greatest player of all time, and he'll just be like, "Man, we don't need to have that conversation." Oh, that's how you answer you that. Know, <laughs> you know, but you know what he means when he says that. You know exactly what he's saying. Right, what he's saying right. is, I am the greatest player of all time. But he's like, man, we don't need to have that conversation. Because he's not going to say it himself. So, right, yeah, right. there you go. Right. Okay. So, so I'm just remembering now, uh, with the help of our producers, uh, Johann Gottfried Gall, G-A-L-L-E. 
uh-huh. in German. I'm not sure how you would pronounce that, but he he's the guy who went to the telescope and found Neptune okay. at the commands of the math, the French mathematician uh, Le Verrier. Right. So yeah, there it is. There That's you go. There laws you go. of physics. That's why it's you know physicists. I think have good right good good justification to have a certain uh, cocky confidence when we invoke our laws of physics that we know apply throughout the universe and all of time. Because, oh, listen, the, the, when the stuff works halfway across the damn galaxy, <laughs> and then it works when other galaxies, they're doing the same thing. <laughs> That's right. It's like, it's hard not to feel, you know, just a bit confident. You know? Right. It doesn't mean, it's not justification to be an a-hole in your character and personality. Right. Just when you're declaring... Your confidence in a discovery exactly. or a state—you know—it's okay, right? Yeah, no, that's pretty cool, man. That, and listen, Amanda, what a what a great way to get us rocking on the show, man. So, okay, I took down the whole damn segment. Ah, there. Who cares? Look, look, drop another one. Let's see what we can fit okay, in here. Let's okay, let's go to Brittany Menacati. Men Menacati, not Mena. Menacati, Brittany. Yeah, Menacati is like one of my favorite pasta dishes. There you okay. go. So uh, mm-hmm. she says, hi, Neil. Hey, Chuck. I'm an aspiring chef in Louisville, Kentucky. I was wondering what the future of the culinary arts may look like with, if and when we colonize elsewhere in our solar system or even further. Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to answer that real quick, and then we go to a break. All right. So you'd have to make adjustments for different atmospheric pressures. Right. And if we, let's assume we could recreate the air mixture of nitrogen and oxygen. Um, the different atmospheric pressure will affect it. And if it's not the exactly the same amount of oxygen, then things will burn at different rates if mm-hmm. you have a coal oven or even your, your, your gas burning. Because more oxygen, it'll burn more, more violently because oxygen promotes combustion. All of that, you'll have, there'll be a different, you'll meet, you'll have the moon cookbook and the Mars cookbook. Wow. And something else we discovered, and we're not quite sure what causes this, in orbit, people's taste buds wane. So the foods that they tend to, people who never had it before, they add hot sauce. Mm. to their foods, just to sort of well, there you punch go. it up. So punch it up. Punch it up a notch. We don't know if it's because you're weightless or because the pressure is a little different in the air. It's like being on a mountaintop. You don't you don't put spacecraft at the same pressure as atmospheric pressure. It's just not necessary because you're not, you know, running marathons, right? right. You can breathe a thinner air, yeah. like on a mountaintop. You can yeah. breathe a thinner air and, and you'll be fine. But all the forces that operate on your olfactory senses, you might need a special version of your recipe for it to work on the moon. But here's something before we take it out to the break that um, you have to watch out because even if you have a delicious meal on the moon, if you open a restaurant, it's not going to have any atmosphere. Oh. <laughs> I, I got it. You I, got, you, I see what you did there. <laughs> that's a dad joke, but I'm allowed because I am a dad. All right, let's take. Uh, we can take a I'm quick break. Say, I'm going to say that Joe cratered. Oh, 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 oh! Good one, Chuck. Good uh, one. Get to get out joked. That's good. I like that. That's just pun, All right, on, pun on pun. Let's take. Let's take our first break, and we'll come right back to Star Talk Cosmic Queries Grab Bag Edition with my co-host Chuck. <laughs> Knight. 
If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit sweetconnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out sweetconnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time. At participating McDonald's, select languages available. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. Hey, I'm Roy Hill Percival, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Bringing the universe down to earth, this is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back. Segment two, Cosmic Queries, Grab Bag Edition. Chuck, you just pulling them out random out of there. Yeah. What, what, so what else you have? Here we go. Let's go to Kayla Nickel uh, from Boise, Idaho. No, no it's, it's Boise. Oh, Boise. 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 Uh, by the way, it just feels so unnatural to say Boise. Boise. It, but if you're from there, that's what they say. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's that's how they say it. All All right. What's the person's name again? So this is Kayla Nickel from Boise. Boise. Hey, Kayla. Mm-hmm. Um, Boise says, hey, Dr. Tyson, Lord Nice. Do you think warp drive for interstellar travel is possible? Yeah, I. Uh, we know how to do it on paper. So the question is not, is do laws of physics prevent it? The question is, do engineering uh, abilities or knowledge or material substances enable it? That's really what that comes down to. So is it possible in principle? And so in principle, it's possible. So the but math need- works? Math works. You can math take works. space in front of you and create a density field and collapse it. And then Correct. move through it, and then you're moving faster than the speed of light, but you're not moving 
No, you're traveling faster than, faster than light speed, but you're not moving faster than the speed of light. Oh, Chuck says that perfectly. Oh, Chuck. Nice. Chucky baby. <laughs> so so there, there are two ways you can think of this. One of them is you bunch up waves of space-time in front of you. Okay. And then you sort of surf them. Oh. Uh, on the crest of those waves, and then the, you stretch the waves out behind you. Right. And in that way, you go faster than light. But it may be that wormholes get invented before that. Gotcha. Because a wormhole is a tear through your location in space and time. It crosses through a higher dimension and re-enters... In another location. In another location. Wow. And that reminds me of my fast story. I've said it a couple of times, but now is a good time to say it. I was at Charlotte Airport. I had to go from a big plane to a little plane, and my luggage didn't have wheels. It was like a garment bag and, and, and my backpack, and I said, oh, I regret this. I felt like I walked three miles. but It was, it was probably only a mile, but it felt like three miles. I got to my little plane gate, and I thought I'd be clever, geeky, and I tweeted, this is back when tweeting was a, a fun thing to do rather than <laughs> dipping your toe into the cesspool of, <laughs> of human hatred, yes. right? Okay. All right. <laughs> back when you just tweet thoughts, right? Fun thoughts. Right. So I tweeted and I said, can't wait till the day we have wormholes because then all gates will be adjacent to one another. Right. I thought that's a, you know, I'm card carrying geek. That's a good tweet. And then, however geeky you are, is always someone who's geekier than you. That's right. Because that spectrum goes to infinity. Yep. All right. You so only get someone, king, you only get to be king geek for a day. Sometimes not even a full day. Not even <laughs> yeah. a full day. Somebody's there to un unseat you and <laughs> go, gets out. go a little geekier. <laughs> And the, the new, I, new geek in town. Yes. What do you got? <laughs> so, so the person said, uh, Dr. Tyson, the day we have wormholes, you won't need airports. There you go. It was like, whoa, whoa. How to get out deeked in real time. Nice. So, so wormholes might just make all that obsolete, is my point. Right. But no, we're not anywhere close. And, and just to be clear, when people said, oh, we'll never have heavier-than-air flight, you know, people like to cite that as, well, the scientists were wrong when right. they said that. Scientists never said that. Right. You know, okay? Idiot engineers said that. Right. All right? right. Here's, here's and, how you know they're idiots. And, of course, the owner of dirigible companies. That <laughs> <laughs> They said that, too. <laughs> the Graf Zeppelin family exactly. said that. <laughs> right, right. So... So the reason why you know that is because birds are heavier than air. Right. And they can fly. There you go. This was not a hard thing. So what you should have said is, we don't know how to imitate a bird yet. One day we might, rather than say we never will. Then came, we'll never travel faster than the sound barrier. The word barrier started getting used for it. Like, oh my gosh, you can't cross it. Well, why did you use the word barrier in the first place? All right. Why don't you just sort of say the sound, speed of sound. Right. It's the just sound a speed. threshold. Threshold. Thank you. Thank you. But they said sound barrier. And then you had people who will never cross the sound barrier. Meanwhile, rifle bullets at that time routinely travel faster than sound. Uh, so does the crack of a whip at the very tip of the wick. <laughs> that little crack 
is like a mini sonic boom as it goes faster than sound. We had things travel faster than sound. Plus, everybody knew Mothra travels faster than sound. I mean, come on now. Mm. If that wasn't evidence enough. That's true. You know. Right. No, no, was it Mothra or was it... Um, no, it wasn't Mothra. It was the Rodan. Oh, Rodan. Oh, Rodan, yes. Well, that is... The yeah. Mothra was the moth. Mothra's right. the uh, big yeah, furry one. <laughs> yeah, Rodan is like the pterodactyl. Who, yes, the pterodactyl. Who, okay. And so... Uh, but, but my point is, we had things in nature that could do it. And so to say we will never be able to do it is very little confidence in our own ingenuity. Right. Because all we have to do is mimic nature on that level. So right now, we don't know anything that's making wormholes and things. So, But with the math works. Okay. So maybe one day, but not any time that I can foresee. Nice. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Kayla. Right. Thank you, Kayla. Mm -hmm. From Boise. Hey, from Boise. Boise. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Boise. Um, <laughs> this is, of course, the Violetta. Our Violetta? Yeah, Violetta. Our... Is she married with children by now? How old is this child? <laughs> no, what? That's, no, she's, she's still she's like just... our oldest questioner. No, uh, yeah, uh, no, she's just 14. And, uh, she's... Okay. So, no, I knew that. So, I knew that. You know why I knew that? that? Why? You know why I knew that? Because her mother brought her to New York City. Oh, my gosh. Nice. And I said, well, we, we got to come visit. So they visited my office. Wow. And, and But the child still kept asking questions. Excellent. I said, the child, is she ever going to shut up? That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, it's, it's, a, it's a level of curiosity that people often lose right around her age right now, age 13, 14. And so if she maintained that, I said, I asked the stupid grown-up question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I felt stupid asking it. And she said, yeah, I'll be a scientist. And uh, she's on the right path. So, Well, listen, when we started, she was like Violetta, the nine-year-old astrophysicist. Nine and now she's right. Violetta, the 14-year-old astrophysicist. But plus, she's into sports and things. So good. She'll have um, a whole, a full, complete life. There you go. Uh, coming down the pipe. There you okay, go. so what do you got, Violetta? Uh, Violetta says this. I was wondering. We have various measurements for traveling at X velocity through space, which is distance uh, divided by time, uh, like meters per second. But what would or do... See, right there, she's showing off. She's I, showing yeah, off. A little bit. Throw, a little bit. Throwing some algebra I'm a letter, in there. I'm okay. a letter flex, though. I got a letter flex. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, go ahead, girl. Go ahead, flex. Go ahead. Uh, you go, girl. You, know, you, you go, girl. Do you think? Do you think? Um, uh -huh. She says, but what would or do we call the measurement for traveling through time? And what would it or does that look like? Oh, oh. Traveling I, through time. I've never thought of that. Because when you're traveling over distance, the, the thing of the metric there that we all care about is your speed. That's right. Your distance divided by time. Now, if time is what you're traveling through, do we are we thinking about the speed with which you travel? Through time. That's a different one. Right. No, I haven't thought of that. But hmm. here's the other thing. Does speed make any real difference when you are when time is the medium through which you're traveling? Ooh, because See? usually when you talk about speed, you say, Do I really have an hour to kill to exactly. do this? Exactly. Whereas in time, you just wipe right. out the hour because you you're traveling the hour through time. Because your tra time is the medium. So Okay. You know, in, wow. Interesting, right? Time is yeah. Yeah, like if you have access to a time machine, these these words will never come out of your now your mouth. Uh, we don't have time to finish the report. Right. Okay. Said no one ever uh, uh, who had uh, access a to a time machine. machine. 
<laughs> right. All right, so let me think. How about this? You will need a device that, when you travel through time, keeps track of how far you have traveled in distance. Right. Not how long it took. Not you, how long it took. Right. To the get time there. doesn't matter. Just how just far. Just the distance. Because, as I've said before on this program, if I have a time machine right here and I go back one day, okay, if that's all I do is go back one day, I will reappear in the vacuum of, of space, space right. because Earth is not in this position one day ago. Right. Okay. In fact, I'll be in the way and Earth will slam into me. So, because things are moving, you can't just go through time and land in a place you expect to land unless you also plot a trajectory through space. So, if you want to be where that time machine is in that room a day later, six months later, whatever, you got to move with to Earth's spot. If it's six months, you're on the other side of the sun, thank you. It's two seasons later, thank you. All right? You got to track all of this. So I bet it's not a speed calculation, it's a distance calculation that we're going to have to carry in our hip pocket. Right. Lest we all die suffocating in the vacuum of space. Yeah. And let me tell you something, Violetta. If you are 14 years old asking these type of questions, uh, don't ever smoke weed. <laughs> what? That's what you just, <laughs> just leave leave it alone. You don't uh, need, you don't need you it. You don't need it. You other people need, need it. it to get when to that kind of thing. When the kids come and they say, "Yo, you want to hit this?" You just say, "Yo, I'm all, I'm hitting that all the time uh. in my mind. <laughs> my mind is just constantly hitting that on the the universe because you don't you just don't need it if you're already thinking of questions like this at fourteen. You know, it's funny you say that because one out of four of my tweets, when I comment or reflect on an observation I've made, mm -hmm. somebody's always saying. Neil, put down the weed. Right. <laughs> Someone's always like, I've one seen of them, that. I've seen the that one's in your got responses. the most. The one that got the most was, um, in a mirror, you can kiss yourself, but only on the lips. Okay? People lost their minds on that. Mm. And it's very simple optics. But then people said, Neil, are you high? Are you? So I guess it's how to get high thoughts for free. Just think deep thoughts about the physical there you go. universe, and, and you're there. You don't, you know, Violet is old enough to like do stuff because the, her earliest queries were sent via her mother. Yes, you remember that? That's right. 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 Now, now she's now she's, she's right of herself. age. Right of age. Okay. So right. bring it on. Here we go. Uh, this is Evan Fenwick, uh, dear Doctor Tyson and Lord Nice. I'm Evan from Ontario, Canada, and my question is. As a science communicator, how do you maintain your cool when dealing with outspoken science deniers? And what advice could you offer to people who struggle to maintain their composure when confronted <laughs> by the same? I mean, how to not punch someone in the nose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't. You know? No, no. You know what it is? It's a state of mind. As an educator, it's not my duty to educate the educated. If you confront someone who does not know something, that's what your life is about. Mm, right. That session that is ready to happen is what you live your life for. Not just giving lectures just to entertain people. or to, It's the person who has a twisted mental pathway knotted in some way that needs to be unraveled, uh, 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 unwoven, 
because whatever it was weaving was losing track of objective reality. And so what you have to do is, yeah, it, it needs infinite patience, but I don't think of it that way. The, to say it needs patience implies that without patience, you would be angry and frustrated. Okay. You know what? You know what? I don't want to say angers me. What frustrates me, if someone is no longer curious about learning what is true, and then they're angered, they dig their heels in and say, let me explain to you why the earth is flat. That's, uh, it's harder to be an educator in that, in that setting. You know, well, you know, a, a professor in a classroom, that's not who's sitting there in class. You know, 100 people angry with the professor because they want to keep believing what they're, they're, they're there ready to listen to a new thing. So all I would ask is, I, if I have the patience, the least you could do is have the, the, um, Openness? The, the openness, just to listen to what I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. about what it is you think is true. Wow. And that, let's take it from there. That is so much more compassionate and understanding than what my answer would have been. No, no. <laughs> which is... I'll be sure to leave you at home next time. <laughs> yeah, because my answer is, listen here, you obtuse ignorant, <laughs> homunculus. Okay. So, <laughs> a hunky, homunculus is a tiny human being imagined to be the embryo before we had any clue how reproduction worked. Exactly. And, yeah, they, were, yeah. and they were misshapen in every single way. A, a tiny little man. A tiny little man who was misshapen in every way. And of course, because, had no intelligence at all. You know. Right. Just, so, uh, my, so another point there is I guarantee you that if I'm going to engage you in that conversation, mm -hmm. it's because as an educator, I know more about what it is you believe to be true than you know about what I know to be true. Oh, wow. Now, listen, that's a great place to be if you are trying to help someone. Because, well, but you're, funny, you, because if I don't know all their reasons for why they think Earth is flat, right. I can't have that conversation. Right. I'm just lecturing, and I'm just hoping they're listening. But if I know what's in the, their brain wiring, I can access it and okay. work with that and work with them to help so, disentangle. So, so you got to meet them where they are. Correct. Correct. And I mean, to me, that's an educator's challenge, right. not an educator's frustration. There you go. So you find, find where they are, find that spot, meet them there, and then try to bring them along to a place of enlightenment. Well, that is my job. That while is my resisting duty. the urge to punch him in the face. <laughs> Dumbass! <laughs> you dumbass! <laughs> okay. Like I said, I'll be leaving you at home on that pilgrimage. Okay. Where, where's Lord, Lord Nice and Uncle Chuck? Nah, I didn't bring him on this educational yeah, route here. We couldn't afford the bail money this time. That's why we, we didn't take Chuck. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, our third and final segment, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, Grab Bag. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are Golden Retrievers which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. 
more popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com deals. Guess who's a Verizon Fios customer? Okay, it's me. You got me. That's right. And I love Verizon Fios because I love having a fiber optic connection come directly into my home. That's right. It doesn't stop at the street and then regular cable comes in. No, it comes directly into my home. And that gives me the best viewing experience that I could ever have. And now for a limited time, you can stream what you love for less with Verizon. Get one year of Peacock Premium for just $19.99. That's a savings of over 60%. Save on all your favorite shows and movies, from Traders to Love Island to Trolls Band Together to Yellowstone. Start saving on the subscription you love at verizon.com slash plus play. Available through Verizon Plus Play. New Peacock subscriptions only. After one-year promotional period, subscription auto-renews at then-current annual price plus tax unless you cancel. $59.99 until July 17th, 2024. As of July 18th, 2024, the price will increase to $79.99. Additional terms apply. See verizon.com slash plus play for more details. We're back, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries. Grab bag edition. I'm with Chuck Knight. Chuck, what, what you, you're in some video projects lately. What do, what do you got going on? Oh, well, right now I'm just, I mean, my Disney show is still running. Uh, Nat Geo panel, if you have Disney Plus, you can watch Brain Games on the Road. Love it. I'm mm -hmm. still doing mm -hmm. that. And uh, I am, uh, you know, I'll, I will announce it here because we are settling up on the de final details. But Star Talk fans will be the first Ooh. to receive an invitation Ooh. to come to the taping of my comedy special, Ooh. which will be only about science. What? I'm doing a comedy special, just science, nothing but science. Whoa. Yeah. So, and I took some of the uh, some of the material for discussion or jokes. From uh, Neil's latest book, so it's kind of it's kind of cool. Well, the book is just touch, touches everything in our civilization. It, it certainly, but does. that's what and that's what comedians that's the fodder for that, comedians, right? right? Is civilization. Absolutely. So I'm happy to serve that role. Will you give us details when it's ready? 
Yeah. And yeah. we will totally, we're soon, totally we're, get we're, on we're settling up the final date for the taping right now. So it's going to okay. be great. And mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. told them that before we make a public announcement that I want to invite only StarTalk fans first. So they can get first access they to the tickets. They get first access to the tickets because we're doing four wait, shows. Wait, wait, Chuck. Are you inviting StarTalk only because they're more likely to laugh at your jokes? No, no, because they're more likely to understand them. Understand the joke. Oh, oh, okay. I don't want no dumbasses at my show is what I'm saying. What do you say there? What do you exactly. mean by that? What That's do you not mean funny. by that? You should have kept your dumb behind home. <laughs> There's a difference between that wasn't funny or... I didn't know enough to understand why that was yeah, funny. And, there, and guess what? The, the result is the same. The person doesn't laugh, but, you know. Uh, 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 but okay. one of them, the stuff was funny. You're just uh, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the third segment. Let's see how many more we can slip in here. I'll All try right. to be my, my soundbite mode. Okay, Let's go. do it. Let's do it. This is Trevor C. Mills. And Trevor says, greeting Dr. Tyson and Lord Nice. Trevor from Augusta, Georgia here, and my daughters love listening to your podcast with me. My daughter Lucy has a question, and she would like to know, how does space continue to grow? What causes the expansion of space-time, and how can we slow it down? So, well, first of all, Lucy, space drinks its milk every single <laughs> and day. And it grows. No. You know, they don't advertise that anymore. Oh, that's right. right. I'm too old. Right. Look that, at me, yes. giving away my age. Yeah. Got milk. It's just got milk now. It used to be milk makes you strong. It used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite jokes from David Brenner, uh, the old comedian from the 70s. From it Philly. was the, the bra- Is that right? Okay. Yeah, the, he's so a Philly guy. Here's the bravest person, the bravest human there ever was. Okay? We say, well, who's that? He says, okay, that's the person who saw a female bovine creature walking the countryside and decided to drink the liquid secretions out of its <laughs> eyes. That's funny. That's Bravest funny. human there ever was. Okay. That is a brave human. Yes. Uh, so, I forgot. What was the question? So, um, you know, space, it's, it's still growing. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Why right. does it so, continue to grow? And what, what's going on with the growth of space? Okay. It's a so growth I can industry. One out of three of those questions. Okay. The space is expanding because of the energy endowed in it from the Big Bang. Okay. Okay? Now, that expansion is also accelerating Uh opposite the collective wishes of all the gravity of all the galaxies in the universe. Mm -hmm. We do not know what is causing that, but we measure it, and we call it dark energy. How does it expand? What is it expanding into? What? We don't know. But however much vacuum of space there is today, there's more of it tomorrow and more the next day. And that will continue all the way up to the big rip unless something prevents the big rip. And we talk about big rip in the Star Talk book, Cosmic Queries. Uh, Cosmic Queries, a fun book. Um, and if, if you pick that up, there's a whole section on ways the universe can end. There it is. And one of them is in the big rip, where we the accelerated expansion happens so rapidly that the fabric of the space-time continuum cannot keep up with it. Mm. And it no longer stretches, it rips. And I lo- I've lost sleep 
thinking about what that even means. So, yeah. yeah. So, no, we don't have answers to the two of those. But the first one, yes, the Big Bang had enough energy to expand for the 14 billion years that are going on now, and then some. Yet there's this other phenomenon that has kicked in. Well, and we call it dark energy. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Nice job there, Lucy. Yeah. Okay. Keep yeah, it sorry, up. I only I can't I don't have all the answers there. Hey, listen. Yeah, when it's not when I say I don't have it, it's not just me, my the my people. All right. It's not my personal. You, you're not gonna find it answer. someplace else. Right. Thank you. Please, yes. you <laughs> okay. So don't worry, all Lucy. Right. Don't be like, Neil, let me down. I know. Let me go to that other podcast yeah, where they right. Cox, what's going on with the expansion? <laughs> no, you don't have to worry. Uh, you're going to get the same answer anywhere. All right? Yeah. All, all right. right. Uh, this is uh, Zeki uh, Mashed. And Zeki Mashed said, Hello, Neil, Sir Nice. Can, uh, we can observe the first, second dimensions, but if there was life bound to them, would they be aware of us? If not, does that mean that there's possibility of higher dimensional life forms that can observe us, but we can't process their existence? Would we be able to use the laws of physics or gravity to communicate if this was the case? Yes. Yes. All right. And, yes. and thank you, Zeki. Now no, let's no, move on. Let's no, go to Cicero. No, 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 stop, oh, stop. Oh, oh. So, so, so here's an interesting thing. All right. Two-dimensional life, right? Uh, let's say they exist in just this, you know, in a flat surface. surface right. um, how would they see each other? Well, they would only see each other along their perimeter, edge on, right? So their edge on. So their skin, if you will, is just their perimeter. That's all they are: the perimeter and guts on the inside. Well, we we are three-dimensional people. We can see inside their bodies. Mm. Because there's no skin separating their two-dimensional existence from our three-dimensional existence. Mm -hmm. Their skin is only, only on in the their two dimensions. Right. On their perimeter. So we, so we could go in and do, we can do surgery on them without cutting them open. Skinless flounder people. So by the same analogy, we three-dimensional people, if there's a four-dimensional creature that sees us, they see our entire innards. And I would love to write a science fiction story where they have four-dimensional medicine. Right. Where the surgeon jumps into a fourth dimension. Right. Sees every one of your organs just on display. The way we see all the organs of a two-dimensional uh, uh, creature. And they just reach in, clear out the arteries, replace the organ, fix the organ... And then they never had to cut you open for it. And right. cutting you open part is a big part of the recovery from surgery. Right. It's healing from having been cut open. Now, how might we communicate? I'm guessing we could write some letters in our three dimensions and they'd be able to see it. They can see our innards. They can see what our writing is. Mm -hmm. and, and what is writing if not two-dimensional information when you think about it, right? Right. Yes, correct. Right. Not right, but correct. Right. So I don't see why we could... And they would have to then write something, they'd have to stoop to create something in three dimensions that we could then read, or ideally in two dimensions, which is our more familiar form of communicating in, in the written word. Uh, if they speak, their sound waves, I don't know how they'd get into our... What's a four-dimensional sound wave look like? God. I know, I, I'd have to think about that. That's pretty what wild. What that would mean for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still stuck on like 
you know, like a Klein bottle. Like I, I, I can't even. When I oh, look yeah. at the renderings f- of that, I mean, you know, that's a four dimensional, yeah, a, a four dimensional bottle. bottle yeah. that, and I can't, I'm telling you, it's it's that's just, a whole other. I can, show. dude. We should do a show. I could. I have spent way too much time <laughs> 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 sitting and trying to figure out. <laughs> it's yeah, really so a Klein rough. bottle. A Klein bottle has no inside. No inside. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's uh, an interesting. Yeah. It's really, really cool, but you know, but it's four dimensional. So I can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around a four dimensional sound wave. Yeah, yeah, I have to think about that because if we use sound, they might have some other sensory way to receive information. Right, sound might be too primitive for them. You know, right, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Dude, that's amazing. Okay, next. Wow, that was so good. So good. Okay, how about this? Cicero Artifan says, "Hey, Doctor Neil, Lord Nice, Cicero from." Toronto, Canada, I want to know when we use a pillow, it is fluffy because it has air between the foam or the feathers, but what would a pillow look like in space? Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if he means like in the actual vacuum of space where you go. Vacuum of space. Or or yeah. like just out in the in the like the space station. Yeah, no, no, in a vacuum. In the vacuum of space. Okay. So you have to be in a vacuum. The, the, in it's a not vacuum. just zero G, it's the vacuum. Okay. So it's not Sim- a pillow is soft not simply because it has air in it. There are okay. plenty of things that have air in it that are not soft. Like your tires. Uh, what, uh, okay, sure. That's a good example. Still but I was trying to think of something more rigid, like a dry sponge. Oh, wow. Okay. Look at that. You would not use a dry sponge as a pillow because it's kind I of— I would because I cry when I sleep. No, it's, 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 oh, it's not. Oh no, it's not tears. The snot that come out of your <laughs> runny ass nose <laughs> and drool and drool. drool. <laughs> <You're more> drool. <laughs> He's a drooler. <laughs> so, so it's because the material is flexible. Okay, so and it has a restorative texture to it. I so two things would happen. If you took a pillow that had air in it and took it out into space, the pillow would flatten instantly. Mm. But because there'd be no air holding up the, the things. But then the, the texture, the, the restorative force of the material will bounce it back. Mm-hmm. And I think you would still have spongy things because the spongy, because you're not being spongy on the air, you're being spongy on, on the, the material. Stuff. On the material, material. correct. Memory foam. The, mater- the material makes all the difference in the world. It's just—it's not just simply if there's air in there. Okay. It does the thing restore its shape once it's compressed. So you, it'll have to go through a decompression moment right. where all the air comes out. Then it goes back to shape, and then it's a regular pillow at that point. So but you'll you still need to breathe. You know, you'll need to right. a breathing apparatus. Well, you'll be right? dead because you're, no, well, you're... You'll be dead. You're in the vacuum of space. <laughs> Your pillow will be fine. Right. Rest in peace right. with that pillow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, this is Frederick Johansson. And this is... Uh, Frederick says, Hello, Frederick here from Sweden. Um, and it's Friedrich. He gave me the pronunciation. It's oh, Friedrich. Friedrich. All right. And does the Johansson have like extra A's and extra S's in it? No, it's just Johansson. two S's. Johansson. Just two S's, Johansson. Okay. Johansson. Mm-hmm. He says, my question to Lord Nice and the good doctor is, if photons have energy and energy equals mass, does that not mean 
that photons have mass? Uh, okay, so two, two fast points here. Photons are pure energy. There is a mass equivalent of that energy, but while the photon is energy, it does not have mass. Okay, it is pure energy. And so uh, now you can ask, well, if it doesn't have mass, why should it bend according to gravity? Right. But it turns out gravity, as the curvature of space, this is so good. If the photon follows the curvature of space, amazing. It knows no other job in this world but to do that. That's awesome. But in addition, so cool. The original 1919 eclipse expedition by Sir Arthur Eddington to test Einstein's general relativity that light would bend near a gravity source. So you wait for a total solar eclipse because now you can see stars right up to the edge of the sun and you can see is their position the same as when the sun isn't there and then you can see that the, the light bent. Here's something nobody talks about. The light would have bent even without Einstein's theories, but it would only bent half as much mm. because with Newton, with Newton, you don't need mass to then respond to the existence of a gravitational field. The mass actually divides out. And it's, the, it's what, the, what effect the field has on anything there, energy, objects of any size. It is the same for them all. That's why all objects fall at the same rate. Heavy objects, light objects, no matter how light you made that object, neglecting air resistance, it'll fall at the same rate as a heavy object, right up to the point where it has no mass at all, such as a photon. Look at so, that. So, yeah. That it is, is so fascinating. Oh, oh, here's an experiment you can't do, but it, it would work, okay. right? So you take a take a, a BB and drop it. Right. Okay? And it, let's say it takes a tenth of a second to, to hit the ground. Right. Okay? Whatever is the distance you drop. You take a beam of light and beam it out horizontally. Right. No, no, no. Take, take, a, take a BB and send it out horizontally. At the same moment you dropped this. Right. It'll go down wind downstream from you, but it will fall at exactly the same rate as the one falling straight down. And it'll right. hit the ground at the same time. Right. No matter how fast you send it out sideways, it will hit the ground at the same time as the BB you drop straight down. It'll land miles down the road, depending on the speed you sent it, but it'll hit at the same time. Right on up to a beam of light. Send a beam of light, a tenth of a second later, it hits the ground. Wow. That is crazy. But it, it would have gone, you know, 18,000 miles off to the left. Right. It wouldn't be on Earth at that point. But the point is, a gravity operates on all objects in the same way. And even when it's not an object, if it's energy, such as light. So it's a great question. It really is a tremendous question. Thank you, Friedrich oh, yeah. in Sweden. It's very cool, man. Friedrich in Sweden. I don't have to, we don't have any more time, Chuck. I oh, we man. Have. This Do you have a, a fast one? Is there like really, really, really fast one? Let me one? see here. Uh... Uh, here it is. Hey, this is uh, Cameron Bellamy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Neil. My wife, Brooke Bellamy from Baltimore, wants to piggyback on my Patreon account to ask. Blah, you oh, cheater. You cheater. Oh, oh. You we, tell we, Brooke she better give us $5. This question costs $5. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Chuck don't play. <laughs> I'm, I'm a nice guy here, but Chuck is the mean one. She said, right. uh, Brooke right. says this, would it be possible to see evidence of previous life on planets that may have once had life but evolved out of being able to sustain it? So, um, Yeah, so it wouldn't continue to influence the atmosphere okay. as we do as life on Earth. Actively adds oxygen. Not, we don't add it, but the plant life adds oxygen to our atmosphere. Right. So that's... Evidence of life on Earth, right? Where you can see from a distance using spectra without having to visit the planet's surface. But if there was once a civilization, and it's no longer there, and the atmosphere had a chance to equilibrate and be its own thing, right? Without the presence of life, you're gonna have to go to the planet. Got to go as to far the as planet. I can tell. You got to, especially you won't be able to see it. Correct. Or you need some kind of powerful scope right. that can see the remnants of apocalyptic cities and things, nice. which we don't have the resolution to do. For distant planets, but otherwise you got to go there and dig around. There you go. And that's what we're doing with Mars. There's no evidence of life on the surface. Uh, maybe there's life uh, under the soils, nice. under the. And so we're, with you need a probe, baby. You need a probe, probe, Brooke. Get me there. So that's all the time we have. And oh, Brooke, wow. yeah, I got to go with Chuck on this one. She's Bogarten. Brooke is Bogarten. You're the husband's. Yeah, account. that's right. Join yeah. Patreon, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, it'll be a, under a pseudonym, right? Exactly, right. He would like, Brooke, hi. Brookina from yeah, Baltimore. Next time, he'll be like, hey, it's Cameron Bellamy. I got divorced, and my new wife, <laughs> Joyce, would <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, we know it's you, Brooke. We know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we got to go. All right. uh, this has been Cosmic Queries, Grab Bag. I th think it's your funnest category, Chuck. A lot of fun. Uh, grab Bag it is. All right, till next time on Star Talk, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Keep looking up. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.